welcome to the Vocal Freedom Podcast. I'm your host, Lee Martin Thomas. Join me and my guest speakers as they discuss the journey they've had with their own voice, as well as light bulb moments, stories, and personal wisdoms. Vocal Freedom is a bi-weekly podcast raising awareness about vocal health and well-being from members of the voice community. My guest this week is Paul John McKenna, a specialist speech and language therapist working in clinical voice disorders and singing voice rehabilitation at Withenshaw Hospital in South Manchester and also privately. Paul co-runs weekly professional voice users assessment clinics where high level voice users are assessed endoscopically and then rehabilitated via highly individualised voice therapy. But the main reason I really wanted to invite Paul on the podcast, Paul is a certified neuro-linguistic programming practitioner, NLP practitioner, with a background in hypnotherapy, with skills which have driven his interest in the psychological factors that can impact the voice. So welcome to the podcast, Paul John McKenna. Uh, You are a speech and language therapist based up north to me, yes? Yeah, okay, right, brilliant. Up in Manchester, and uh, and I've invited you onto the podcast to obviously talk about your journey um, with your voice, but also to provide a bit of insight into this amazing work that you're doing with NLP, neuro linguistic programming. So I don't know if you want to start there, but maybe just tell us a bit about about your work and what you do. Yeah, sure. Thanks, Lee. So I am a specialist speech and language therapist. I work at Withenshaw Hospital in South Manchester, and my training in NLP and hypnosis started a long time ago when I was in my early 20s and I did a, a night college course in hypnotherapy, clinical hypnotherapy and neurolinguistic programming. Uh, I was mocked all my youth for being called Paul McKenna <laughs> because of my namesake, sort of world famous hypnotist Paul McKenna. And I always refer to this as probably the biggest, biggest slice of luck I could have ever got because People used to say to me, Paul McKenna, like the magician. And that, that's, people still say that to me, like the magician. And it's really interesting because he's, he's never been a magician. He's always been a hypnotist or a hypnotherapist. But there's something about it that seems magical. And it is. And it, the, the, the difference that you can make in people's lives using these skill sets is phenomenal. So I had always had in my mind that I wanted to do a little bit of something like this. And I worked... At the time, I was a gigging musician. I worked uh, in call centers. I was gigging at the weekends. We were doing sort of funk soul covers of contemporary and old oldies, nice. just doing bars and restaurants and, and clubs and that kind of thing. And I was working in bars as well. It's like I had a few jobs, and I just wanted to do something different. And I and I found this night college course in clinical hypnotherapy and NLP, and just absolutely loved it. And just thought it was it changed my life. It changed the way I felt. My control of my experience and my emotions and I thought there's really something to this it's really really powerful and then Christmas time the call center that I was working in my love of my life my now wife came and started working at the call center and we met each other and she was going back to uni the following year and I decided to do the same I went back and and took the plunge and, and started working trained as an SLT as a speech and language therapist and then ended up graduating, working at Withenshaw Hospital and specialising in voice and dysphagia, which is swallowing difficulties because uh, it's all the same anatomy. And then trained for years. And I was really fortunate because at Withenshaw Hospital, we've got a professional voice users clinic at Withenshaw Hospital, which has been established for well over a decade and one of the most established voice services in the country. And I didn't really 
know too much about it, um, about the impacts of it until I started working at Withenshaw. But then as soon as I started working there and figured out I could work with singers, uh, I just worked really hard to get in that clinic. And I've been integrating my NLP and hypnosis training within speech and language therapy in the way that I work uh, for probably about the last five years, uh, working with my voice patients. And I only work with voice now. I work with clinical voice disorders and performing voice. Mm-hmm. And, and I've found that actually that the additional training I've done in NLP and hypnosis has really opened a lot of doors for me in terms of the way that I work with people. Uh, most of the people I work with have anxiety and emotional related components to their problem, whether it is actually their main problem or whether it's just something that else that they're dealing with in their life. And, and these tools are really, really powerful. So I'm really, really glad that people are interested in them mm. and people want to hear about them because I think everyone's doing little bits of this kind of stuff. Absolutely. Everyone's doing a little bit of mindfulness or a little bit of this or a bit of that. And, and I think this is a, a toolkit that I aim to help people harness over the next few years as I integrate it into, into working with voice. So Absolutely. it's a little bit of a watch this space at the moment, Lee, but yeah. um, it's, it's the journey I'm on. You're going to put some courses together for voice teachers, I hope. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, at the moment, it's been, it's been about 10 years of study. It's been aiming to get the best hypnosis and NLP training I can possibly get, integrating that in before we can, and, and playing around with it a little bit with mm. clients, with patients to see what works and what doesn't work and why it doesn't work and when it's optimal, when it isn't. Uh, it's, not everyone wants to spend 15 years studying them to, to use it a little bit with, a, with their clients. So I'm trying to distill it into something that can be really, really usable for voice professionals, SLTs, vocal coaches. And it's, it's definitely picking up a little bit. We've got some great work. We've done some great work with the BVA, done a hypnosis uh, course at the uh, recent event. And obviously with the NLP event that we did recently on the online lectures. And it's gone down really well. I think people are really seeing potential in it. So watch this space. Might yeah. be next year or the year after, but there'll definitely be courses. Oh, that'll be amazing. So let's talk a bit about your voice. Let's think, let's, so you've mentioned there that you were out as a gigging musician in your younger days. Are you, st- are you, yeah. still, are you still using your voice? Are you still singing yourself? So I still sing. I'm, I'm a self-trained guitarist. So yeah. that was where I started. I started as, it's been a bit of a long journey for me with my voice because I started singing as a kid in school, choral singing, Mm -hmm. just pop and and a bit of classical stuff, just school choirs, things like that. But then uh, I soon got into sort of rock and alternative and punk kind of music. So I was in in sort of punk bands when I was a kid. And so I I was raised on soul music. My dad's a a big collector of soul and blues and funk and all sorts of music. So I I grew up listening and hearing the the soul greats, like Curtis Mayfield, Eddie Kendrick, Smokey Robinson. I was into big into Led Zeppelin as well. So Robert Plant, massive hero of mine. I I am a baritone by (laughs) my voice. So so listen to these, I, I could sing along with these guys before my voice broke, but then with no vocal coaching one-to-one and no background and going into sort of rock and alternative stuff and self-trained guitarist, I really pushed my voice to try and hit the tenor lines. Mm. Uh, I, I pushed it beyond what, what it was capable of doing. Didn't really understand the reasons why I was limited because I didn't have the understanding of anatomy and physiology and of, of the limitations really yeah and I picked up a bucket load of vocal tension as a result of it you know and I I, I worked I sang when we were gigging I was the my friend who I gigged with she sang and played keys I played guitar and, and sang a bit as well 
but I always viewed myself as a as a guitarist over a singer. I was an instrumentalist over a singer. And then it was only when I retrained and started working with voice and doing it every day and, and helping other people. And so as a result of my therapy that I was doing, I was doing voice exercises all day, every yeah. day that I, op- I opened up my voice and I, I it became, I got vocal freedom as a result hey. of it. I got flexibility because I, I had an understanding of it and I had a, a sort of methodical way to work with it. Mm-hmm. So it's a long way around really, but I kind of, I sort of, uh, botched my way through using my voice for a good few years before I really learned about it but there's there's definitely method behind getting that freedom definitely so is there anything that you know now with your own voice that you wish you'd learned sooner like if you look back at those strainier days I guess that's an obvious answer but anything else in particular that was a bit of a moment of yeah like the the light bulb moment for me Hmm. I guess I guess for me it's one of the big things that I learned later um was that you've got to embrace your voice for what it is you know your voice what your voice is you know I I was trying to sing thinking that I wanted to sing like other people yes I I didn't even realize because I was singing to myself in my room without monitoring I didn't even realize that really what I heard wasn't what other people hear anyway okay you know I didn't even really realize that until I learned about acoustics and, and resonance and, and, and what I was actually doing. So I was singing beyond my capacity at that time. And, and part of that was because I've been raised and l- listening to some of the most incredible voices. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a tough act to follow when you listen to, to those kind of voices all your life. Yeah. Embracing my own voice for what it is and starting to sing, it, sing in my own range and starting to embrace what it can and can't do. Um, was the first thing for me because that's what gave me the flexibility and the freedom and you know in terms of working with other voices mm. uh, the thing I wish I'd known sooner was that you you can't fix everybody mm. you, you can't you can't fix everyone's voices you know your larynx is your larynx and it can't necessarily do what you want or sound the way you want it to and yeah. that's all right and any therapist just wants to help the person that's in front of them you know yeah. and sometimes you you can't in that moment because yeah. it's not the right time for them and this, you get that with with experience though don't you you get yeah. it with the confidence of knowing oh this should work there's probably something else going on here that that is underlying but that, and that's probably for me learning to sort of let go of the responsibility in the moment of it being all me yeah when it actually it's actually the person who's in front of you it's their journey it's their journey absolutely and that's what I say with a lot of the people I work with I may see them only once a fortnight in a lot of cases um, and I say, look, you go now. You can go home and work with that. Of course, now they're already at home; they're online. But you know, it's the, yeah. it's the okay. This is what for you to go and play with now, and I'll see you again in two weeks. And there'll be real progression if they do. Um, but sometimes it's not the right time for them for that moment. And we'll come back two weeks later. How have you progressed? Oh, I haven't really rehearsed this. You know, excuse, excuse, avoidance, avoidance. Um, sometimes I, I, that can be a frustrating part of my work. Does does that correlate? Do you have a sense of? Some people just can't seem to help themselves. <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I work on the principle that the person in front of me, they've got all the resources to help themselves. Yeah. You know, it's, not, it's not me that I don't fix anybody mm. at all. It's one of the first things I say to them when they come through the door is I, I'm not gonna, I don't have a magic wand. I don't have a magic tablet. I, I can't fix you. But I can help you know the best way that you can help yourself. And yeah. that's cr- so crucial um, because that person in that moment when they're in that room with me is the most important person in my world 
in that moment. Yeah. For that for that 45 minutes, 60 minutes, they, they get every bit of my attention. They get all of me. Mm-hmm. But I am I am just one part of their week. And yeah. I am, you know, and sometimes they've rushed to the session because they've got other stuff going on. And sometimes they know that they should be focusing on it, but actually just life's happening for them. Yeah. And it's not it's not right for them and, and they've got priorities. But working within the NHS, it, you know, they they don't necessarily get just to pick and choose when they get it they, they, they get referred in because they feel like they need it and yeah. they're, they're having it alongside their life and sometimes it's, they just need to make a bit of space for that mm. uh, so I, I change my approach in those situations to work with that kind of person if, if they if it's not the right time for them to really get the benefit then I try to switch it more to educating them and teaching them so that they've got all the tools for later yes. when, they, when it is right for them yeah. so they know what they need to do and some people are just so all in as well. And they just, they give it everything. And those people really do well. But it's it's catching where they are in their life at that moment. That's absolutely true. Yeah, absolutely true. So what do you find most valuable in caring for your voice? This is going to be the really unsexy part of this. <laughs> what I'm going to say to you right now, Leah, tell yeah. you. Stretch and release. Mm-hmm. Optimal hydration, warm up before singing, cool down after singing, manage your vocal load, don't sing all day, every day. Give the muscles a rest, you know, manage your reflux. If you've got reflux, manage your reflux. That's a real one, you know, for the, for the, for the touring things, especially, you know, and for the ones that are gigging, if you're, if you've got a late night and then you're just grabbing some food quickly, you might not have a reflux problem, but you, you know, some of the behaviors that you, you exhibit because of the nature of your work might lead to you getting reflux and reflux is a real enemy for the voice yeah. if, it's, if it's not managed it's really about just just knowing that your muscles can only do what they can do you know yeah. I, I, I talk about I use the analogy of Usain Bolt fastest man on the planet over 100 meter sprint as soon as that gun fires he's he's fast but he doesn't run around all week yeah. He definitely doesn't, he doesn't run around the week before a race. Uh, same with Mo Farah, great runner, marathon runner. He doesn't run a marathon every day. You know, pe- so many people I work with complain of normal fatigue, mm. N- normal fatigue that you would expect because uh, of the amount of they're using the voice, but because it, because it, it, they're feeling some form of discomfort to them, that feels abnormal. And it feels like they're worried about it because everything feels tight. It's like it's tight because you just used it a lot. Mm. So it's about under- it's understanding that, isn't it? And, yeah. And but definitely warm ups, yes. warm ups, people, stretch and release. Don't start your warm up on your sirens. Start it on your stretch and release work, and that that will f- fix a lot of tension problems if you do that. Definitely. I mean, I'm I'm all about setting the body up before you start the vocalizers because you you know you yeah. could be if you've already come in the room with some tension or some you know the muscles are already a bit like this and the people on the podcast can't see that I'm pulling a kind of like <laughs> tense tense shoulders high shoulders squished neck you know if you're already in that position and you start using your voice it's not going to be as flexible as if you've let all that go first makes sense right right it's exactly and, and you know a real big one as well is a lot of our singers are, are great with using the straw and mm. using the lip trills and the tongue trills things like that when you're doing these kind of exercises get yourself in a good alignment yeah you know get a good breath when you do it because you, you are training you you are instilling these processes in your neurology every time you do these you know sometimes you see people in in the strangest of, of positions doing their vo- voice exercises 
they would never sing in that position, but they do their voice exercises that way. That is sort of slouched in a chair. Mm. So, so really get your get your whole body in the position that you would want to be if you were performing when when you're doing these exercises. And it's just another layer of getting these uh, the the alignment and the breath and and the muscular release, getting it all embedded as much as possible and rehearsed so that you know that it's kind of the natural place that you reset to. Okay? Is, there any, is there anything you can think about sharing that might demonstrate how you can use NLP to help someone with performance anxiety, for example? Sure. Yeah. Well, anxiety, so many people report feeling anxiety. It's, it's pretty prevalent, you know, and, and today in the, the lockdown pandemic world, a lot of people are feeling it. There's a lot of stresses going on that are circumstantial based on what we're experiencing at the moment. Anxiety is usually you thinking about something that happened in the past and going over it and reliving it and it being stressful for you in the moment and not wanting it to happen again or just revisualizing it and going through it and your body re emerging those sensations that you had in the time when you've had them previously it's like an echo of a mm. of an event previously or it could be that you're thinking about a situation in the future that is something that you need to do or you want to do really well and you're visualizing it going horrendously wrong and that is a great recipe for anxiety yeah if you do that if you do those things and we work on the basis in sort of hypnosis, NLP, these kind of approaches that if you can if you can clean up the past or the way that you view it and you can clean up the way that you view the future, then you've you've fixed two thirds of the issue. Mm. And the reality of it is, is that realistically to your neurology, there is no past, there is no future. There is only this moment that you have right now. And when you are thinking about these things in the past or thinking about these things in the future, it's an experience that you are having in the moment. It's not, it's, it's not anything to do with the past or the future, really. It's, it's what you are producing in the moment. So NLP uses a load of techniques that are, that are used sort of widely in, in other areas of psychotherapy and psychology and, and other interventions. And it's using... We use a lot of visualization and NLP. It's really powerful. Uh, it's using your sensory representations of your experience. So we use sort of visual, auditory, and kinesthetic. So the emotions that you feel and the sensations in your body that you feel. So as a general rule, I work on the basis that we, we desensitize or de-traumatize first at the start of a process. So if you've got somebody who comes in and they say, oh, look, I've had this, I dread performing because I had this horrendous experience where I performed and it just went horrendously wrong. And, you know, and now every time I think about performing, I get really nervous. So that's a really good indication of something in the past that they're reliving or ruminating on. So you would de desensitize that, you de-traumatize it, you go back and you change the way that they see it or you reframe it, uh, which is just give it another meaning. And, you know, one of the key principles of NLP we call it the presuppositions of NLP so they're things that if you believe them to be true you get better results they don't necessarily always have to be true but if you act as though they're true you get better results and one of them is there's no failure only feedback mm -hmm. and this is one that I think is so powerful for, for our performers that there were even the most accomplished performer there was a time in their lives when they hadn't even sang a note mm. when they had they hadn't performed anything when they were worried about performing too and I think the key for it is 
is that there's no failure. There's only feedback. If you go into a performance knowing that there's a good chance it won't go 100%, and that's fine. It's just it's, that's an opportunity for you to say, right, what can I do next time that'll be better? And reframing past experiences, using visualization techniques to change the way we represent it. We, we did a little bit of this on the BVA uh, talk about, it's called submodalities, where you, you change the qualities of the picture. You can even, if you, that is a really good way to strip away or change the way that you respond to it. You can, if you're, when you think about a picture, you're seeing it through your own eyes. That's what we call it, being associated into it. You're going to feel a lot more of the emotions if you're associated into a picture that was trauma, traumatic for you in the past. And dissociating by seeing yourself in the picture instead is a really good way to minimize it. Yeah. You, you can even implant positive alternative memories. Because to your neurology, it's just as if it, if it happened, because all you really have is a moment. So you can visualize that performance going really, really well instead. And seeing what it would feel like and what it would look like going really well. I mean, to your neurology, it's just like, just like it happened, like it happened which is really yeah. great. It happened. And, and as a general rule, if you're working with anybody who is concerned about performing, asking them what they think when they're thinking about the performance or what they see, how they see it going is a really good indicator of, what, of whether they are anxious, because usually they'll say, oh, I'm, I'm going and it's you know people are staring at me or people aren't enjoying it that's the visualization that they have when they think about it or they see themselves as being nervous get them to visualize the most excellent positive outcome for them give them a compelling reason why it's okay if it goes a bit wrong on the night if it's a learning curve yeah you know some of the some of the greatest performances i've ever seen are, are live performances where they weren't the polished recorded version and they were you know you you saw the imperfections and some, mm. there's something about that 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 shows that we're human exactly and I think embra- embracing yeah. that a little bit and, and using this sort of cleaning up the how you view your past experience and and then inserting really really powerful future visualizations into the future for you is a really good way for you to then monitor your experience in the moment and then we can use different techniques such as anchoring techniques to, just, to really if, if you visualize a time when you felt really confident and really relaxed and you saw it through your own eyes as if you were there, you will start to feel relaxed and you'll start to feel confident. And it's about understanding that these, these sensations, these emotions and these experiences can be, can be turned on and off in a, in a second. And once you know that you've got control over that and, and it's just physical reaction, it's just neurons firing, it's chemicals releasing. Yeah. And as soon as the anxiety is gone, you're not anxiety. You're as much confidence as you are anxiety. It's just what you're feeling in that moment. And and having and knowing that you've got control over that is powerful. And it's just also, you know, I think from what I understand about it, helping people understand their patterns in, in the, the process, isn't it? So if they've, you know, a performance is coming up and they, it's almost like you've embedded a habit of that's when my anxiety is going to hit me or that the adrenaline is going to start flowing. And, you know, if it's been going on for a decade or two decades and that's that person's sort of formula is that does it take a long time to undo those you know sort of neurological physical the physiological symptoms of it say you may be getting the nervous belly or shaky legs or shaky limbs you know those sort of typical things you get with that um fight or flight you know symptoms do you think that they can be eradicated with this kind of therapy yeah i think i think firstly it's about understanding as well that in the moment you're going you're going to physiologically respond to your mm. environment and 
it's usually the way that you think about your physiological response that then creates this amplified loop that takes you where you don't want to go. So, I mean, there's, I remember years ago, I saw Barack Obama speak. It was in, we were in Prague and it was at the castle. In, I don't know if you've been to Prague, but it, the there. castle in Prague, it's amazing overlooking the whole of the city. And Barack Obama was there. It was, it was back before a train. So it's probably about 10 years ago now, um, 10, 15 years ago. And he, he was speaking about world peace, nuclear disarmament. He was incredible. I remember watching him thinking he has got the most composed, calm, yeah. confident demeanor talking to the world right now. And um, I remember having a, watching an interview with him where he said, look, every time I go out or every time I've got an interview like this, I feel that sensation of, of anxiety, of nerves in my stomach. But, you know, anxiety and fear feel a lot like excitement feels that's true in the moment too yeah. and i think part of this is about the way that we frame our experience and this is the key with with this is you're right patterns patterns occur and i work on the basis that there's probably a positive reason for that there's mm. a positive reason for that pattern there'll be a positive intention behind it just just because it's positive for you doesn't mean it's necessarily positive for everyone else but there's a reason why you're having that response and how many performers out there or singers have had people say to you, I don't know how you could get up in front of people and sing. Oh, that'd be, I'd be terrified getting up on stage and singing loads. A lot of people who aren't performers yeah. can say that it, it almost creates this frame that performing is this scary thing yeah. that requires a lot of bravado or a lot of confidence and a lot of charisma. And actually that's just the frame in which these people are seeing it through. And actually it can be a massively empowering and exciting and, and creative expression of yourself. And it's about the way that we frame it. So using these techniques, these NLP techniques and, and hypnosis techniques as well, you can, you can change embedded patterns that have been in place for a lifetime in a very short amount of time. If you work on the basis that, the person no longer wants that response and is able to understand that that response isn't serving them in any way. Mm. So usually uh, with a phobia, for example, you can use these techniques. The rewind technique is a really, really great technique that's been built into NLP. It works on the basis that if you've got a, tr you can use this for anything, actually. This is a good trick that you can use for, for anything. When you're thinking about any traumatic event, you, the way that you store emotions and events together you can't feel an emotion backwards. Oh. So if, if you play a video of an experience backwards, you can't feel the emotion the same as you would have felt it if you, have, if you relived that experience the right way. Right. So the rewind technique uses this, this trick to strip away a kinesthetic response to an event and yeah. it's really great for de-traumatization it's great for phobias so you can use this technique to remove a phobia that has been prevalent in someone's life for the whole lives and you can use this technique to get rid of it in about half an hour and that wow. and that'll change their physiological response yeah in in that situation because you are removing the neurological pattern but that being said you know this is all about kind of knowing that you have the resources inside you. You know, if, if you've ever felt confident, you have the ability to feel confident. It's only something about the way that you think about performing or the pressure of performing or, or what, you've, what you've built it up to be that makes it something different for you in that moment. And, and you, you can have confidence there 
you can have you can feel empowered when you sing you can feel anxious when you sing and fearful the problem that we have as singers is that feeling anxious and fearful when we sing has physiological responses for us that aren't helpful for us as singers which yeah. are that fight or flight response that you were talking about Lee and and mm-hmm. the locking of the muscles in the abdomen and the upper body and the 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 response of the larynx when we feel fear of everything tightens everything elevates isn't yeah. great for us when we're trying to sing flexibly you know it's 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 about understanding your patterns you're right and I think the first part of that is about that mindfulness of knowing actually in this situation this is what happens and then once you know that you can you can work that and you can rehearse that the right way mm. and so your to, to your brain rehearsing it the right way and visualizing it going the right way and using these techniques to lock that in is just like you're doing it uh, yeah. the right way uh, which is what's really amazing about these techniques and and I think if you imagine these these poor people who are rehearsing things going negatively over and over and over again yeah all they are really doing is strengthening the neurology of feeling anxious when they are in that situation and you can just reverse it and change it and be your own personal photoshopper just photoshop your experience and change it and and it and it really does make a difference and it's but it gives you the power in that moment to know that actually before you are the master you are the apprentice yeah 100% every time mm-hmm. every single time there is no there is no expert that at some point in their lives knew nothing about it and it's humbling to to think that you've remembered how many times was it that edison didn't get the light was it edison the light bulb oh i love that because i've heard he that he failed before. thousands of times yeah. you know edison edison's a really amazing example and a, and a metaphor that i use frequently with the people i work with because he was ridiculed and mocked for what he did and you know he when when questioned about it and quizzed at it, he, he said, "Hey, now I've not I've not failed thousands of times. I've found thousands of ways not to make a light bulb." You know? Yeah. And he he, off the back of that, he kept on going and he found it and he lit the world up. You know, it's he absolutely lit the world up. And what he did was the, the one of the biggest game changers in the world, wasn't it? And mm. you know, and he would never have got that if he gave up exactly. after a hundred failures. Yeah. He had, he had belief that he was, he was getting information each time. And I think that brings brings me into the, the, the vulnerability of performance as well and opening yourself up to being vulnerable and, and, and giving yourself permission to make mistakes because I do, I do see that sometimes with a lot of the younger people I work with who their expectation for themselves to get things perfectly first time they try it is crazy to me. I'm like, well, like you say, you've got to, that's a great, I'm going to have to nick that one. You're an apprentice before you're a master. It's a great way of looking at it. So, you know, if you're going for a lesson in something, a voice lesson or an acting class or whatever it is, why walk in the door thinking you already know that information and you don't need to learn anything? I mean, you know, what, what are you there it's, for? Yeah. What are you there for you, if you can already never, do you'd, it? You'd never go to a teacher and expect that you didn't need to learn anything, right? Yeah. But, you know, sometimes when you when you say, OK, let's try this. Oh, I don't oh, no, that doesn't work. I can't do it. Or, yeah, OK, I'll try. It. Oh, I didn't get it right first time. So that means I can't do that. I can't learn that technique. Like, Hang on a minute. That's like going to a, you know, a tennis coach and you've got your you've got your serve, but you haven't learned your backhand and you go, well, I can't play tennis. And, and I think actually that this is a this is a really critical point that you've just raised here, Lee, because mm. the difference with that and the voice is that 
most people just use the voice and they don't realize really what is going on at a muscular level when they're doing it. Yeah. Especially students, who, people who haven't studied it or haven't really learned much about it, haven't had the opportunity to be taught about it yet. Mm-hmm. And I think this is the issue is that if I was starting yoga for the first time and I was trying to, I was trying to touch my toes and I, I went for the first day and I was getting nowhere near in my mind, because I, I understand that, oh, you just got to do it. And I can see that people here have had no, no flexibility and then developed it. That I just know if I do a little bit every day, I get that flexibility. But there's something about the way that people use their voices that they don't connect that to the voice as well. And, and they think, oh, well, I could hit that note on that day. Why can't I hit it today? And it's because, well, you've, you've slept funny on your shoulder and, and everything's a bit tight. And you've just got to loosen everything up first before mm. you before you can get back up there. And and that idea of flexibility, flexibility and progressive day by day, little bit every day. Like you, you can get amazing flexibility in your body if you stretch every day. But if, if you stop stretching for a few weeks, that yeah. flexibility goes. Definitely. And it goes quickly. And I think if if we view the voice in a similar way, view it like the vocal athletes that we actually are when we use our voice for singing, then and do it methodically, you know, a little bit every day. You know, you will you will notice the difference so much more. And I think it's it's empowering them to know that it's they're never gonna they're never gonna get it on day one. No. They might not even get it on day 30. And I really push with my therapy that it's a lifetime of work working with your voice. You know, it's it's not it's not something that they get to the end of the session and then all of a sudden everything's fixed from that point on. You know, it's it's a case of in the future, keep doing it. Keep, yeah. keep see where your voice can go. You know, absolutely maybe don't have expectations about it but see where it'll be yeah when you keep working with being it. open-minded and you know and just yeah. and just in even accepting you know a growth mindset really and just accepting it's like some people limit themselves really quickly if they just don't have that inner belief that they're capable of something so I think that's where this NLP stuff's really useful as well is just unpicking that that voice on the inside of the person that's telling themselves for whatever reason that they can't do something that I know they can, <laughs> you yeah. know, like, oh, yeah, you can learn how and to do a, re- a really big one. The NLP is great with as well is this idea of limiting beliefs like that. Like yeah. you're saying, you know, I can't do this. I, I can't, I can't progress. I can't make it sound the way I want. Any, I can't statement is a really good indication. They've got a limiting belief about their ability or what they can do. So many of the people I work with were just told when they were younger, when they were singing in the bedroom, I'll stop singing. That sounds awful. Mm. A a passing comment from a frustrated parent, maybe. He was trying to do a bit of work in the other room or it could have been something. But look, words are so, so powerful, you know, especially when you've got children and anyone in an emotional state the wrong word at the wrong time can can lead to years of of uh, of pain in certain circumstances and so this pr- whole process about using NLP this way is about helping to uncover what that is and helping them to really verbalize what they're experiencing it's it's the linguistic in neurolinguistic programming it's the yeah. way that we use our language to d- describe and um, and give context to our experience and i think sometimes just picking up on the language that they use with you when they're talking about their experience is really key. And that's mm. one of the fundamental parts of NLP as well. It's kind of, it's navigating through that and how to work with people when they say certain things that are little triggers, like I can't, or I am mm. identifying themselves as somebody who can't do it. And any work like this, it, it doesn't just empower them in singing, it empowers them globally in the rest of their life as well, if you can do it. We're in the business of helping people 
express themselves freely. And there's a, there's a reason why uh, the creative arts performing courses have really high, re relatively high levels of stress, anxiety and depression globally. Mm. And I think part of that is because we're giving a lot of ourselves in these professions. We're giving a lot of our, of our emotions to it. And it's subjective, you know, there's not, there's not a right or wrong, you know, it's based on whether someone likes it yeah. or whether someone dislikes it. And even the most incredible performers often divided opinion, mm. you know, and that's completely fine. And it's about finding your people who, who love what you do. There's, a, there's an old American comedian called Mitch Hedberg and he had this one liner, which was, you can't please all the people all the time. And last night, all those people were at my show. And I love that line because it's kind of saying that sometimes you just have a night where it's not your night and that's yeah. completely fine as well. If you have the right mindset, you can get through it. That's fantastic. So let me ask you, in the world of singing or speaking, and it could be, you know, a, an inspirational speaker, but what voices inspire you and who could you never tire of listening to? I have to, I always have to go back to the, the, the soul greats for me because yeah. I, I was raised on them and they're always where I've reverted back to over the years. Aretha Franklin, Etta James, David Ruffin from The Temptations, Levi Stubbs, the original uh, baritone from The Four Tops, so I appreciate a baritone. Yeah. Um, love my folk music. I, I, was, I was really into things like Crosby, Stills and Nash, Fleet Foxes, First Aid Kit, Johnny Flynn. Laura Marlin, people like that. They're doing really, really great stuff. I could never tire of listening to that kind of stuff. They're, they're yeah. the ones that I kind of gravitate back to. But yeah, definitely. The likes of David Ruffin and Levi Stubbs were the, the voices that I always listened to and thought, I wish I could sound like that. But wow. I've, I've embraced my own voice now. Yeah, yeah. After, yeah. Year, after <laughs> my journey, I've embraced it. So if you were going to get up and sing a song tonight, what, what, would, you, what would you be you know, gravitating towards? So I tend to play guitar and, and sing moved to that kind of folky sort of 60s 70s american yeah scene so i i if i'm if i'm singing i sing a lot of sort of neil young cat stevens uh paul simon simon and garfunkel all that kind of stuff that's yeah. kind of the way where i kind of gravitated towards because it's a bit easier for a, a one man and his guitar to, yeah. to play those but I, I love some of the more modern stuff as well so i'll sing a bit of, of that kind of stuff the fleet foxes and hosier people like that who yeah. were just great i love their They're voices great storytellers great storytellers and you know just the, oh, yeah. the type of music that you know there's a there's a story going on there i mean you could say oh, that definitely. about any song although maybe not dance music but you could say that about most songs i suppose well that's i mean i think that's one of the reasons why folk to me is something that i've gravitated towards i'm really really loving johnny flint at the moment i think he's absolutely brilliant and it's it's kind of having i think the thing that i think is great about it is Voices that aren't necessarily what you would classically say are the athletic technical voices. Yeah. But absolutely just draw you in yeah. with the way that they are congruent and the way that they deliver what they're, they're delivering. And, and the lyrics is just, I think there's something quite masterful about that of, of just delivering it and really selling a message. And absolutely. you don't need all the vocal athletics to do it. This is so true. This is so true. This is what I say to people sometimes about sometimes the beauty is in the imperfection because that's when we see the human reflected back, isn't it? That's when we see ourselves um, because we're not perfect. No one's got the perfect voice. And I don't even think the professionals that are out there getting paid millions to do one concert are going to get through that concert without anything going slightly not the way they planned it, right? I mean, we're human. 
Oh, we look. We live in a, a bit of an auto-tune <laughs> oh, world at the moment. I hate that. So you 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 hear the you hear the perfection, don't you? You, you hear yeah. the the really polished versions. You don't hear the rough cuts. You know, you don't hear the off days. Mm. And I think there's something quite beautiful about hearing that and it being embraced and it being owned by the performer as well. Yeah, definitely. This is me. This is how I perform. This is my voice. Um, and I think that that's. So I think that's what I've been drawn to is that the honesty about the performance, which is really key. Definitely. And that's kind of how I see vocal freedom as well. When the performer's in the moment, they're present, they're delivering, they're communicating with this real sense of truth. Um, that's, that's what vocal freedom kind of is to me, whether it's singing or speaking, really. Like you say, like Barack Obama, I always am drawn in whatever talk he's given because you believe him. I believe him. I don't think exactly, he's, I don't, yeah. you know, where he is. is. He's so congruent in what yeah. in the message that he delivers. And and his wife as well, Michelle Obama. I absolutely love um, her. And I've recently watched the um, the Netflix documentary about her book tour and just seeing her behind the scenes and the way that she uses her voice for good. The Obamas are absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. Absolutely phenomenal. Uh, I, think, I think that Michelle would be a great president. So do I. Um, I was gutted she didn't want that job. I was like, go, yeah. go, you know. And I think, yeah, I mean, to me, I, I completely am with you on that. Vocal freedom to me. I think in the moment, being able to deliver that and really, it's about really being in the moment yeah. to me and, and not in your head thinking about the technical component of what you're doing. Definitely. And I think that's, that's kind of where there is such, there is such sort of benefit from the technical learning that we can do as singers and as vocal coaches and understanding the anatomy and where it works and understanding what's happening physiologically when we do things like cry quality and we add these little components in to make it sound the way we want it to sound. But I think fundamentally that's, that's for the practice room that's yeah. for the rehearsal and in the moment it's about enjoying the experience and being there and being congruent because I think that's what people pick up on they pick Definitely. up on the integrity of the performance yeah and you can always see someone that you, you can tell when someone's in the head you know mm. and it's and it's a shame because you know it's it's detracting from the way that they enjoy it too and, and that the other side of vocal freedom is just knowing knowing your voice just yes. knowing it Definitely. And, and, and accepting it for what it is and what it isn't. As my main part of my work is a vocal health component of it. Mm. I don't necessarily work stylistically with the people I work with because it's not part of my role as a voice therapist within yeah. the NHS. I do performance coaching with people, but I don't do stylistic work because that's the role of a vocal coach. That's yeah. that's the work, you know, working with rep is that's the stuff that the vocal coaches should be should be doing. And they're amazing at doing. I think the key for, for us is, Get the anatomy working really, really nicely. Get it work. Get it flexible. Mm. You know, get them knowing when they're pushing and knowing when they're not. And and just the growth that someone can make over time if they've got that awareness is so phenomenal. And and then and we're just nudging them in the right direction. And yeah. We're giving them the we're giving them the emotional uplift that's along it. the way. And that's what this podcast is all about: vocal health and well-being. Because if you're not coming into the the vocal arena with that going on as well, then all things could come from crumbling down, couldn't they? So Definitely. We've, we've got to have do. the right And, and, and I think this is the thing. There's nothing more frustrating for a singer who's rehearsed for hours and hours and hours to get up there on stage and then it doesn't go the way they want it to go. And I think the more that we have skills in helping people to get control over that, 
yeah. I think the better. And I think that it's like I say, this is stuff that everyone can learn. And, you know, I'm really looking forward to over the, over the coming years of putting some stuff together for our voice community of, of, of how, how we can integrate the, the most relevant parts of NLP and hypnosis into voice work. And I think it's going to be something that already people are buying into. So I think it's yeah. going to be really positive when, when we're there, when we're ready a lot of people will benefit from. I'm glad that you you are enjoying it already. And, yeah. And you're getting ahead of the curve a little bit. It's, I always like to ride the crest of the wave, me. I don't, I don't want to be left behind. <laughs> but it, yeah, it's a, it a, it a big passion of mine because I think that's what I see when, you know, you can help with the technical elements and you can support with the emotional side. Um, but sometimes when you, wit- I witness sometimes a bit of a blockage in a student and I think these tools are going to be really helpful to a lot of those people understanding what your patterns are that's a big part of it is, yeah. is understanding why you feel the way you feel yeah you know and the unconscious work that you we, we do in, in nlp and in hypnosis is is that the area that i find is is the most fascinating and, and if you i use the example of, of a smoker mm-hmm. and i can have conversations with a smoker who wants to quit smoking and they can give me all they can consciously describe all the reasons rationally why they want to stop but that doesn't stop them lighting up a cigarette 20 times a day because they've got entrenched unconscious habits and processes that are running and the unconscious working with that component of it using these techniques is a really powerful way that you can sort of set up these new patterns and you can instill them so that you don't want someone to be it's really difficult to get someone to be consciously thinking about their alignment and their breathing all day because mm. life just happens and they're, and they're busy. And, they're, and if their if they're reset is back into a slumped position and back into upper chest breathing and inefficient voicing, they, they know how to sit up properly. They know how to breathe properly. They know how to produce a voice properly because you can get them to do that in your sessions. The trick is, can we then instill that and code it in at an unconscious level so they don't have to think about it all day yeah so that that's so that's the point that they reset to i think harnessing that is going to be the way that we can improve our efficiency as practitioners in anything that we do it's it's taking the frustration out of it for the people who we're working with yeah. they, they do the work fundamentally but it's giving them the little push in the right direction that they might not be able to get themselves it's brilliant it's absolutely brilliant work thank you so so much for your time today um, is there anything else you'd like to mention about what you've got coming up? Let's let's chuck in some uh, social media links and where people can come and find you if they want to have a session. Yeah, sure. Thank you, Lee. And thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure being here. Always great to talk to you. Thank you. Um, you can catch me if I do my sort of coaching, personal development work and my sort of private voice therapy practice. You can yeah. reach me at www.thevocaltherapist.com. Um, you can catch me uh, through LinkedIn and through Facebook as well. Uh, Paul John McKenna, if you want to add me, that's feel free to. You can catch me for sessions. I do um, performance coaching sessions, voice coaching, and I do NLP and hypnosis work, performance Amazing. optimization. You can reach me through my website as a director for the British Voice Association. So we're, we're always putting on more courses and sort of watch this space for that because there's going to be some probably more lectures and and master classes within the courses but also there's going to be some stuff coming up probably next year and 2020 has been a bit of a write-off but 2021 and 2022 i'm going to be putting together some nlp practitioner master practitioner level courses as well as 
advanced courses of integrating that into voice work specifically for the SLTs and the vocal coaches out there who have no experience of hypnosis and NLP and just want to learn it and want to figure out how to do it. And then a little bit more of an advanced uh, course for the ones who have studied it before, either with me or elsewhere, and just really want to figure out how they can integrate that into their work as a voice practitioner. So um, I'm going to be doing some research along the way getting the numbers, getting the clinical numbers to, so people can see how it is a, a benefit. And, and that's going to be a work in progress, really. You know, watch this space over the next few years. But if, you, uh, if anyone wants to work with me or wants any advice about this kind of stuff, please do get in touch. And I'd be happy to spend some time with you. That's amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining me on the Vocal Freedom Podcast. I hope you've enjoyed the episode and we'll move into your day with a bit more vocal freedom feeling that you can express using your voice and let the world hear what you have to say. Visit colchestervoiceacademy.com forward slash podcast. Sign up to be kept informed as new episodes are published and consider joining our online community. Membership to this will allow you to post questions to our guests, link you to show notes, social media links and entitle you to exclusive offers from our guests. See you next time.